0: live
1: Live from the city that never sleeps
2: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome to the program. It's America's Late Night National Town Hall Forum. You're welcome to join us, 833 482 Valdez. And uh, the Department of Justice has indicted the one of the whistleblowers who alleged that Biden received payments from a Chinese Communist Party-affiliated individual. Yep, that's a story that's actually going on today. Now, you wouldn't think that that's actually a real story in America because you would presume that we would never do such a thing in America because somebody who's blowing the whistle saying, no, there's no way that you're doing X, Y, and Z, that somehow this person would be arrested so that they could not appear before Congress or testify. But you'd be wrong. (laughs) you'd be hard-pressed because that's actually what's going on. The Department of Justice announced multiple indictments against Dr. Gal Luft, uh, the Israeli-American co-director of a Maryland think tank who gained notoriety as the missing witness, quote-unquote, in the investigation into Joe Biden's corruption. The New York Post recently shared a video of Luft wherein he broke down allegations against Biden and the made the claims that he had been arrested to prevent him from testifying to the house oversight committee with damning evidence against the first family, which many are calling the Biden crime family. So now long after coming out as a whistleblower, Luft himself has been charged by the Biden department of justice, Merrick Garland, et cetera, for allegedly engaging in multiple serious schemes involving the Chinese and Iranians alongside a former high-ranking U.S. government official. The charges include numerous offenses related to failing to register under, guess what, FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, arms trafficking, Iranian sanctions violations, and making false statements to the federal agents uh, that had spoken with them. Sound familiar? It does to me, because... This is the same stuff that they charge people with all the time. False statements. We hear that all the time. And lamentably, this is where we are. People who might be uh, credible or damaging to the administration, they are charged, right? Starting with Donaldus Magnus, Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of these United States. I like to call him El Trumpito. El Trumpito, Uh, he gets charged every now and again. Whenever he starts saying uh, things that make sense, they're like, let's figure out a way to slow this guy down and we'll break tradition and charge him and investigate him despite the tradition of not charging people or, or, or investigating them during a uh, presidential election. But that's actually happening too. Now, back to Mr. Luft. He supposedly used his position as co-director of the think tank to recruit and pay the aforementioned government official at the behest of the uh, Chinese bosses, to publicly support certain policies with respect to China. Now, in the video that he shared uh, with the New York Post, Luft alleged that he had provided potentially incriminating evidence against Biden during a meeting with the FBI and the Department of Justice officials back in 2019, but that his warnings were not heeded, but rather covered up, saying, quote, I, who volunteered to inform the U.S. government about a potential security breach and about compromising information about a man vying to be the next president, am now being hunted by the very same people who I informed. And I may have to live on the run for the rest of my life as a result, said Mr. Luft. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russian collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the Department of Justice's uh, uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened. Again, this is a breaking story. I'm giving you the update from the post-millennial. And it's fascinating to see that's exactly what happens when people speak up. When the truth comes out, they'll figure out a way to slander you and take you down. Just like they come after former NCAA athlete and swimmer Riley Gaines. She comes out on a regular basis um, with truth bombs, one after the next. You know, just setting the record straight. And they never, ever like what she has to say. One of the things she she had to say was last week uh, in an announcement with a new campaign coming out of Florida was... um about standing up for what's right and standing against what she was calling the normalization of pedophilia. And uh, trust me, they're gonna come after her as well and they have been. Listen to this.
3: Okay, so I came across this picture yesterday on Twitter which is very clearly a man who is claiming the identity of a woman and breastfeeding a child. After seeing that picture, I very quickly took to my Twitter to call that what it is, which is sexual abuse of a child. But I didn't realize to what degree until I saw the same man who was breastfeeding the child actively using nipple clamps to fulfill his sexual fetish. And here is the Instagram caption from the same man on his Instagram profile where he wanted to check on how hard you can tug on the nipple clamps. So I guess what I'm wondering is how can any sane human being see this man posing with this child, obviously sucking on his nipple, now seeing what he engages in privately and not see this baby as an erotic prop for this man with a sick fetish? It is sexual abuse of a child, bottom line. And all of this to say that in America, we are normalizing pedophilia. Um, Let me repeat that. We are normalizing pedophilia. And we're normalizing this behavior in the guise of human rights. But sexual abuse is not a human right for anyone. I hate to even be spreading this message, but I think people need to see it. Um, It's up to us to stand up against evil, which is exactly what this is. This is a battle of moral versus evil.
2: I think Riley Gaines is 100% right, and uh, we're going to connect with her straight ahead. Uh, But this is part of the issue, right? We've got the normalization of pedophilia, and this has been going on since the 50s with uh, guys like, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Dr. Alfred Kinsey, right? He was one of those crazies that uh, promoted that, as well as disciples of his, like um, uh, Daniel Carlton Gajasek. These guys were speaking at the AMA conference about the importance of what we now call minor attracted people, but back then they thought it was the importance of speaking about intergenerational sex. I mean, just absolute insanity. Now, I have a question for you. What portion of sex trafficking victims in the United States are under the age of 18? Now, I'll give you three choices. Is it 10%, 25%, or more than 50%. You let me know on the other side, and when we come back, we're going to connect with Riley Gaines, the NCAA swimmer, and discuss her comments on pedophilia and her new campaign with the First Lady of Florida as well. So don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to America at Night. This
1: is America at Night with Rich Valdez. (laughs)
4: Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have—I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I
2: appreciate it very much.
1: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, our guest, Riley Gaines, former NCAA champion. And before I bring her on, I just wanted to uh, see if you guys got the answer to this right. The question before the break was, what portion of U.S. um, sex trafficking victims are under the age of 18? Was it 10 percent, 25 percent, more than 50 percent? Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. The answer is 79 percent. While accurate and comprehensive data on sex trafficking is scarce due to the covert nature of these crimes, in 2011, a study of 460 U.S. sex trafficking victims found that 54 percent, of them were under the age of 18 another study found that a significant portion of uh, victims are 11 to 13 years old uh, contrary to a lot of what you would hear in the news that's exactly the case and it goes right in line with what we heard uh, right before the break that clip we uh, heard of riley gaines uh, discussing um, the normalization of pedophilia and again this is something we've talked about frequently on this program with, uh, like I said, weirdos like Daniel Carlton Gajasek and, um, and his mentor, Dr. Alfred Kinsey, who believed that intergenerational sex and sex amongst uh, you know, children and, and other family members was, was a good thing. These are just absolute insane people. It goes uh, way beyond boys in girls sports. Uh, but we're going to get to that and, and the attack on just normalcy as well as women's sports with Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines, welcome to the program.
5: Well, thank you so, so much for having me on. This is exciting.
2: Likewise. Uh, happy to have you because I think um, you, you're somebody that's been at the forefront of this because you've, you've, you've swam. <laughs> and I think a lot of this came to light when we saw Leah Thomas uh, just be heralded as some sort of hero. Uh, while others were were saying, hold on, something doesn't seem right here. This doesn't add up. So um, let's back before we get into that. I really want to get into your we played a clip of your comments um, with respect to the normalization of pedophilia. And and this is a topic that seems very taboo to a lot of people. Uh, I don't think it's taboo. I think it's something we need to talk about. I'm a dad of two uh, little girls. They're not little anymore. You know, 18 and 22 it's always been a topic of concern to me and it seems to be getting worse and worse and more and more people seem to be kind of going with the flow. Let's say you Riley Gaines?
5: Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. That's, that's entirely what I think is happening is they're trying to reach this point of normalization of having men in women's locker rooms. Um, again, in my experience in competing against Leah Thomas, when we express, our discomfort in that locker room inches away, changing inches away from someone who is exposing male genitalia. When we expressed our discomfort, our universities told us we were the ones who needed counseling. They told us we were the ones who were bigots and should apologize for feeling this way because clearly Thomas was a woman. Well, that's not what we had to see with our own eyes. Um, they want to discredit that innate inherent feeling to cover yourself when someone with a male eyes walks into the place where you're undressing. Um, And it's not just the normalization of locker rooms and what that looks like. Um, The video I think you played, I was responding to a male who was breastfeeding a child.
2: Oh, excuse me. Um, I believe they've rephrased the term to chest feeding, according to the CDC.
5: (laughs) According to the CDC, that, that seems to be the more gender inclusive word. Um, along with what they're calling female anatomy now, they're calling it a bonus hole, which as a woman, and these are in peer-reviewed medical published journals, they're calling female anatomy a bonus hole, and it's cervix haver, it's uterus owner, it's menstruator, bleeder, birthing person, they won't say woman, and you have to ask yourself the question of why, and it's because they want to normalize this behavior, normalize these these new terms, normalize lying. that That's what it is. They want us to deny objective truth. That's absolutely
2: insane to me. It, it really is. I mean, I, I can't imagine uh, that we're a bonus hole. I mean, it, it just, where do we come up with this stuff? Uh, I, I don't know. It, I guess what I'm saying is it amazes me that there are people that buy this and go, oh yeah, absolutely. That is so right. You know, that, that somebody actually goes along with this, but it seems to be that that's the, that's the case, right? People really are going along with this. Why do you think they're going along with it? I, I can't imagine that it's because of anything legitimate, right? It's not because they really believe that, but more so because, I guess, of pressure. What, what are your thoughts?
5: Definitely. It, it's a pressure. And again, speaking from my own experience in, in competing against Leah Thomas, And changing in a locker room. Look, every single one of us on that pool deck, we knew it was wrong. And we talked amongst ourselves about it. Um, And and all of the girls on that pool deck shared the same thoughts and and feelings that I'm sharing with you now. Yet I've been one of the lone voices in advocating for this. And it's because they're scared. People don't believe this. You mean to tell me ESPN, an outlet that covers sports, both men and women's sports, really thinks there's no difference between men and women. I mean, they cover the WNBA and they cover the NBA and, and you're trying to tell me <laughs> they don't think there would be any difference in LeBron James getting out there and playing with the women. No, they know what's wrong. They know it's lunacy, yet they're willing to throw their moral compass and, and what they know to be right and fair out of the window. And it's incredibly disheartening. Um, it, it should be really chilling for us of the country. And, and in regards to those pressures, um they uh, Again, from my experience, they told us we would never get a job if we spoke out. They told us we would never get into grad school. We would lose our friends. We would be complicit in a potential death if we spoke out. That's what they told us. It's emotional blackmail. They want us to fear the cancel culture and fear the labels, and they do it to deter us from, from acknowledging and speaking the truth.
2: Well, you know, Riley Gaines, I mean, it's it seems to me that if you— if you see a difference between LeBron James and Brittany Griner, then the problem's with you, right? The problem's not not with them as athletes uh, because uh, apparently this is, is the view that they have where everything is, is the same, everything's gender inclusive uh, until they decide to make their own delineation when they feel like it.
5: You're entirely right. Um, they want to control how we think, what we say, how we feel. They want to control the narrative and it's not just in sports, it's in corporate America, it's in the media, it's in academia. I mean, there are so many places where, where this um, controlling of thoughts really is plaguing the country, really the world. It's far beyond just America. Um, it's happening in prisons, it's happening in sororities, it's happening all over. It's affecting so many people. And the left loves to push the argument that it's not really happening, but that couldn't it couldn't be further from the truth.
2: Now, Riley Gaines, we have about a minute to go, so we'll kind of start this and then um, finish it on the other side. But uh, you, you mentioned that you're one of the lone voices. And, and I think anybody listening to this program, and there's a lot of people listening coast to coast right now, uh, they've probably seen you on television and and sharing your story or read about um, your, your commentary on this or even seen you in Congress testifying. Uh, but uh, I wonder, why is it that you're the the lone voice oftentimes you know, speaking out against this? Is it because you have a dose of courage that no one else has uh, or because people are just really cowing to this movement, a little bit of both? Uh, What do you think the bottom line there is?
5: I think there's a few reasons, one of which people don't feel as if they're credible. They haven't been directly impacted yet. Well, let me tell you, we cannot wait until each and every person is directly impacted before we take a stand. If we wait until then, It's too late in America. We're done as a country. Um, So my encouragement to everyone listening is be bold, be empowered, and know that it's liberating to say the truth.
2: All right, folks, we're on with Riley Gaines. She's a former NCAA swimmer, and she's uh, very active right now. Uh, standing up for women in women's sports. Go figure, what a novel idea. We're going to continue with uh, Riley Gaines coming up right after this. Plus your calls, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. Rich Valdez, America at Night.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS?
1: Are you into weird, spooky and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Wanna get spooky with us?
6: Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen.
2: Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, our guest is Riley Gaines. She's a former NCAA swimmer. Yes, she identifies as a woman because she's a woman. She was born a woman. And uh, she's also the host of a new podcast that's going to be coming out real soon. We're going to talk about that momentarily. But Riley Gaines, I want to ask you because uh, it seems like, you know, all you wanted to do was swim and be an athlete and just be a normal girl, right? A regular woman, but instead life had a different plan for you because you felt like you had to stick up for what was right. And, uh, and you have this whole new life, right? Or this new lane in life that's come, you know, post uh, post your college sports career. So uh, my question to you is, is this what yeah you had envisioned for your future? Uh, if not, what did you plan for yourself?
5: <laughs> this is never something that I could have prepared for. Um, mm-hmm. I graduated with my degree in human health sciences and health law and had every intent upon graduation um, to go to dental school. Actually, what I wanted to pursue was endodontics, which is essentially root canals. Um, and Everybody clearly, loves those. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of justify what I'm doing by I I still find myself how I justify it. I say I'm still getting to the root of the problem in people's mouths. So it, it's essentially the same thing, just a lot less cool. <laughs>
2: Right. Just as painful, though.
5: Yeah, just as painful. <laughs> this
2: might be worse. Yeah, for sure. So what, what what's it like, um, you know, being this this person now that says, you know, like really, literally, again, like, you know, the, the, one of the few voices out there saying, hold on a second, I actually am a woman. I was a girl. I swam as a girl. I'm a woman. And I believe that women are different from men and that men should not be in women's sports um, what type of backlash do you get? What type of support do you get? What, what's that like for you?
5: Man, it, it really is tough. Um, there's a lot of struggle that goes with it um, in regards to the backlash in regards to it, just the emotional toll of continually saying the same thing. But it, it feels like people aren't listening. Um, so it, it's a lot. But what I found, the backlash I get, really, it's just petty name-calling um, it 's just people resorting to personal attacks because they they can't dissuade from my argument because lucky for me, I have science and logic and reasoning and and truth and frankly common sense on my side, and they know that, and so they resort to the names such as transphobic homophobic i get called racist white supremacist, domestic terrorist fascist all of the things again for let me reiterate simply saying there are two sexes and you can 't change your sex um So I get called all the things, but really what I've realized is that speaks to their insecurities more than it does speak about me. Because I know I have no hate in my heart, Um, even upon literally getting attacked in San Francisco by protesters. I I mean, assaulted have seen those videos. Sure. Yeah. Even in those moments, I just wanted to pray for those people who, who look so hateful and they do it in the name of love and compassion and kindness and acceptance and tolerance and welcoming and embracing diversity. But they sure as heck didn't embrace my diverse thought. Um, But really, I just wanted to pray for them. But the positive feedback, it's a thousand to one in regards to the negative, whether that's private, public, Um, there is so much support out there. And I, I constantly keep that in mind. I realize what I'm fighting for is so much bigger than just myself. Look, I'm done competing. It's not about me. It's about that next generation. Um, I have a little sister who's an incredible athlete; she's a gymnast. Um, I just got married, and I can only hope one day that I get to have a daughter of my own. <laughs> Thank you, and 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 that's who, that's who I'm fighting for.
2: Yeah, uh, let me tell you that that fight doesn't end once you become a parent. Um, so I'm glad you started early, folks. We're on with Riley Gaines, former NCAA swimmer. You've seen her testify before Congress, saying crazy things like women are different from men and that men have a larger lung capacity and, and it's just not fair for them to compete against women. And uh, she's come under heavy fire for that. And you've got a new um, podcast uh, coming out with Outkick. Tell us about that.
5: I do. Yes. It's called gains for girls. Um, The aim, the mission of the podcast is to simply spread awareness and ultimately spread the truth uh, surrounding the issue of, of, fairness in women's sports and protecting that but really the broader attack on women um that transcends far beyond sports and another issue that i'm very passionate about is freedom of speech um so we'll be talking about these with policy experts with elite athletes with medical professionals um and and really just people who have been affected by the cultural issues that are, seem to be plaguing america
2: now, Riley Gaines, it seems like you know you're a young lady that you know went to school, was an athlete, decided to to, to swim. You did your thing. You were good at it. Uh, you saw a problem. You spoke out about it. Some natural leadership there. And now you're this this national figure that's kind of like a leader and spokesperson for an issue that some people try to cover up, and others are trying to champion. And you know, I, I can't help but think. There's a, a big future for you somewhere, whether it's just in uh, in media or in in activism, uh, but maybe in, in politics, public office, running for Congress. What are your thoughts on that?
5: <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I, I, I say I like policy, but I don't know about politics. <laughs> That's right. a I've got to see firsthand. Um, it's a game, right? I mean, on both sides, it's about money it's about votes it's about personal advancement um and to be one of the people involved in this to hopefully make a positive change that sounds incredible but but you have to wonder you know can one person do that to a system that that really is there's a lot of flaws within our political system naturally um i don't know but, but i am heavily involved in policy and advancing women's um, sports bills, advancing a new bill that I worked really closely with legislators on called the Women's Bill of Rights, which we got it passed in Kansas this year and my home state of Tennessee, and I'll be going to Oklahoma August 1st where um, Governor Sit will sign an executive order on the Women's Bill of Rights, which let me, <laughs> this is a bill, I can't even believe this. It's a bill that, that defines the word woman.
7: <laughs> wow. So
5: crazy, we need a law to do that. Um, introduced it at the federal level um, with Diana Harshberger and Debbie Lesko. So I, I am very involved in policy and really impact and making changes that would prevent this same thing that happened to me from happening to any young girl or woman, really anyone in general. And if people
2: want to support the work you're doing, how do they follow you? How do they find just their website, a social media handle? Uh, how do people follow and keep up to speed with what's going on with Riley Gaines?
5: Absolutely. My Twitter is Riley underscore Gaines underscore. I always try and post breaking stories. Um, My most recent tweet now is about a 16 year old who was kicked out of her local YMCA band and kicked off her swim team for opposing a male undressing in their locker room. And so I I try to expose these stories, highlight how certain politicians are responding, whether that's good or bad, Um, all the different work being done, just so people don't believe the narrative that it's not happening or that it's a non-issue.
2: Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, literally, my my kid just graduated high school like four weeks ago. And and I can tell you that one day, um, she was telling me about how she had to leave the bathroom, because they made the girls room kind of, I guess, gender inclusive. And, uh, some trans students were going in there and she was like, I don't want to be in the bathroom next to somebody that's not really a girl. (laughs) And, you know, I was just like, be careful what you say. They might, you know, they might kick you out of school or something. And, uh, it's just amazing how, you know, like how you have to coach your kids and, you know, it it just, it's just bizarre to me. So I'm I'm grateful for a voice like yours that has uh, the courage and the guts to, to stand up to, I guess, you know, the bullies on the left that are trying to push this false narrative that uh, there are no genders and no differences. Again, I tell everybody your your social media handle and your website, if you have one.
5: Absolutely. Social media handle is Riley underscore gains underscore. Um, my website is RileyGaines.com. Um, I also am working with the Independent Women's Forum, and they do phenomenal work. And their website is www.iwf.org.
2: Outstanding. Well, keep up the good work. I hope that you'll join us again as there's more updates on the work you're doing and as more of these um, uh, women's bills of rights and executive orders get signed into office. Uh, it's, you have an important voice, and I think it's, uh, it's critical that you, you stay the course because there's just not enough women, if I can dare use that word. There's not enough of them out there fighting uh, you know, on your behalf, and I'm grateful for the work you do. Thank you, Riley Gaines.
5: Well, thank you so, so much.
2: You bet. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead with your calls and more, plus some crazy clips of audio we've got. A lot of crazy things going on in the world today. We're going to get to that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. I'm Rich Valdez.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833 482 5337-833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with
7: an S.
2: So that is a uh, chant. God is trans. God is trans, and they go on and on about that. That happened over the weekend at a pride march uh, in the United Kingdom, held on the streets of London, where they were chanting "God is trans." That's according to Sky News host Rita Panahi, and it it just is fascinating to me that you know th- there are people that are like, "Hey, look, I don't care what you do as long as you know." When is it that people uh, just um, wake up right? and just realize th- this is way more than the way they want to live their lives? When somebody wants to take to the streets and yell, God is trans. And again, I support your right to do that. You want to yell, God is trans, be my guest and yell, God is trans. But just don't be surprised when I take to the airwaves and there are millions of listeners on hundreds of stations and give you a piece of my mind and start taking calls from people on this exact issue, because this to me is out of control. I don't walk around, um, you know, bringing up God in, in their, their transness, right? My my argument here is typically one of mental health. That's just the bottom line. It, it's not uh, a situation where, where we, um, You know, I I want to fault them as sinners or this and that. Some may want to go that route. Um, That's not necessarily my angle here. My angle is, I think, if we know that gender dysphoria is a uh, mental issue and it's identified as, you know, something that they diagnose as mental illness in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, number four and I think number five, then the DSM-4, DSM-5 say that this is an issue, then why do we have a minority of doctors that say, no, 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 the answer to this is for you to become the other sex. Once you become the other gender, then you'll be better. And they ridicule and criticize those that say, no, let's try and help you be your gender. And again, I've never figured this out. Maybe we can find a doctor that will help us uh, understand that. I, I can't for the life of me think... Why, if you have a, a little boy, let's just say, that says, oh my gosh, I feel like a woman, or I feel like I'm trapped in the wrong body, why they don't, instead of giving this little boy estrogen and, uh, and breast implants and, and helping him to become a woman, why don't we help him to become more of a boy? Like, why not give him extra testosterone and, and, and reinforce uh, what what he already has, right? What they, what they say, um, the uh, the gender that they were born with, you know, assigned at conception, if you will. So I don't know. I just don't know the answer to this, but it, it's fascinating to me that you have all these people with this um, hashtag trans pride event in uh, the UK and other places, you know, chanting that God is trans. Uh, I think this is a, um, a, just a crazy situation. And uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out why, this is the case, but uh, let's hit the phones, check in with uh, Kim Shields, Michigan, listening on KDKA online. Kim, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome.
8: Hi, Rich. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to tell you about an incident that happened. That's very similar to this that happened about 10 years ago in Midland, Michigan, which is about 20 miles from here. And uh, it, The big kerfuffle happened at Planet Fitness. Um, This man that was well over six foot tall, uh, but claimed to be a woman because he wore colored lip gloss, um, wanted to use the women's changing room. And middle-aged women at the time, like 55, one of them said, I don't feel comfortable. He's a man, except he's got lip gloss on. And (laughs) he's changing Yeah, yeah, and um, Planet Fitness in Midland um, canceled her membership, the the 55-year-old woman, because they said she was not – yeah, and then she – Went, to, I think she went to our state senator at the time, Gary Glenn, in the Midland area. He looked into this huge guy that was pretending to be a woman. And he, here he was a bisexual prostitute. He, he had, a, like, one name, like Cher or something. He, uh, he yeah, advertised Madonna. online. Right. He, yeah, Yeah, he would have sex with men or women. That's what he's advertising himself as. And uh, he... And he looked into this guy, and he said, you canceled this regular woman's membership, and he's still using the women's changing room? And uh, I don't know whatever happened. I know it went to court, and I'll have to look into it. But this guy's a doozy. I uh, uh, People I know have seen him at the local mall, and uh, I've seen him at the Meyers store. To give you an idea how he walks through, he's well over six foot. He was wearing like pantyhose and a bathing suit bottom, kind of like oh, a brief and and just really bizarre. And you just look at him and that I, I said, that's the one. And the people that I know that saw him traipsing around the mall all the time, they said he, he smells like he's got a, um, a bottle of perfume on. And I said, <laughs> well, he's looking for business. He's a bisexual prostitute. That's what he advertised. You, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Crazy stuff, yeah. Kim. And, and let me ask you, uh, did you ever observe or hear uh, anybody in the area with this person or anybody else chanting that God is trans? No, no, no.
7: <laughs> well, it seems yeah, like you lucked I, out yeah. then.
8: Yeah, God is trans. Oh, my <laughs> I, I and uh, you know what I mean, and then they I heard this business about uh on the nuts on the other side are saying that jesus or or uh, had two fathers the the you know or mm-hmm. he had joseph uh,
2: yeah. and they're just they're, trying to make it out to to fit their narrative and it's interesting they they like to prostitute the truth in order to get the result that they want. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick pause right here. Come back to your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDES.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
9: 2023
7: is Ricky. All right, so
2: that is, um, I think that's Dutch, folks. That's Miss Netherlands, um, who is now qualified for a shot at Miss Universe. The problem here is that when you hear NAC, um, Ricky, that's not a shout out to me, that's a shout out to to this uh, Ricky Valerie Coley, 22 years old, who uh, had her hands over her mouth. She was in shock as she was named the winner on Sunday night uh, as the soundtrack for Unstoppable played. And it, she she won, right? She won this con- The only thing was, this is not a woman, right? She's a transgender woman, meaning a biological male. And she has won this pageant. And now uh, for the first time, she now has a shot at becoming Miss Universe. She's going to compete in the Miss Universe competition, and it's fascinating to me that this is where we are right now as a nation, or as a globe, as a country, as a, as a planet, as a world. Unbelievable. We have men now competing in women's pageants. I just, uh, I don't know. Call me old, but um, this is this is out of control, in my opinion. Anyway, straight ahead, we're going to talk about the crazy that's going on and why people don't even know what's going on with Joe Biden, his son Hunter, and the rest of the family. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you Monday night. uh, It's our late-night national town hall conversation. Feel free to give us a call. Join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 4 valdez And it's interesting how... You, you look at some of these headlines, right? Listen, listen to just some of the headlines here. Obama era emails reveal Hunter's ties to nearly a dozen senior level administration aides. So that's good old Hunter Biden involved in malfeasance. Then you've got president Biden himself wobbling through the meeting with King Charles. And I remember uh, seeing a video of that earlier today where Biden was marching, uh, you know, or wobbling or, striding or shuffling, I don't know, two and a half feet ahead of King Charles as they're like walking and talking. And President Trump was widely criticized for walking ahead of the queen when he met with the British head of state. And it's interesting how Biden now, you know, is walking ahead of the king and nobody says a word. Oh, that's why I'm here, right? I'm here to say lots of words because it's interesting that there's this evidence that continues to mount that the Democrats are losing faith uh, in Joe Biden, um, and yet we don't hear anything. We've got the Department of Justice now indicting the whistleblower who alleged that Biden received payments from a Chinese Communist Party-affiliated individual and now they're, they're locking this guy up so that he can't testify and say what he's got to say. We've got a clip from Mr. Luft, listen to this.
13: My ordeal goes back to uh, a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the U.S. government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2019 in a two-day session at the U.S. Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened.
2: Now, that's Dr. Gal Luft. He's an Israeli-American. He's co-director of a think tank out of Maryland. And he's been known as the missing witness, quote unquote, uh, in the investigation into Joe Biden's corruption. The New York Post recently shared that video that you just heard the audio of where he broke down the various allegations he's making against Biden. And he claims that he was arrested to prevent him from testifying in front of the House Oversight Committee and getting this stuff on the record uh, because the evidence is so damning now. What do we call that? What do we call it? We call it election interference. The Media Research Center, great organization, Curtis Hauck, Brent Bozell, many others, uh, a poll that they just put out finds that most CNN and MSNBC viewers don't even know about Biden's corruption or scandals and all of this negative news that's coming out of the administration because, well, 50 percent of MSNBC and CNN's viewers Aren't even aware of what's going on. They're not even hearing about this stuff. So to get to the bottom of that, I want to connect with Curtis Hauck from the MRC to help us understand what's going on. Curtis, welcome.
14: Hey, good evening. It's good to be with you.
2: My pleasure. So let let's break this down because um, I mean, yeah. thank God you guys are doing this type of work where uh, we're quantifying how many people are and aren't paying attention. Uh, it's always a question I think that runs through our minds, uh, but Let's take this step by step here, because clearly they're they're tacitly complicit in interfering in the election by not giving you the facts. Right. I could do an opinion show. But even when I give you my opinion, I play a clip of what the Democrats are saying and 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 what, you know, the other side feels before I give my opinion. And it seems sadly like that's not the case with MSNBC or even CNN.
14: Yeah, I mean, in Newsbusters, we provide the transcripts. It's a lot of work on our end to clean up Mm -hmm. the muffled closed captioning of live programming. But we do that for our readers, because even if you disagree with our analysis, just like if people may disagree with your take, but if you play the soundbite, we we have the transcript, you can form your own opinion. And and we kind of view this poll, at least I do, as a follow up to our poll after the 2020 election, which a lot of listeners may recall, where we mm-hmm. found that 82% of Biden voters were unaware of either a Trump success or a Biden scandal. And if they had known about either one of them, 17% of swing state Biden voters would have left Joe Biden. So we kind of, this poll, we come to it and we, you know, we know that CNN, MSNBC folks are kind of, they're in their, silos. They lecture us about being in information silos. But, you know, you look at the things we pulled and we found that, yeah, actually, no, you're the ones that are information silos compared to those that watch Fox News and Newsmax. You mentioned 50 percent didn't know about the whistleblower alleging preferential treatment. Another one that we found was the House Oversight Committee and others have found that about 10 million dollars has gone from foreign nationals to bank accounts of the Biden family. Only 41 percent of CNN, MSNBC viewers knew that, compared to 64% on conservative cable news. Wow. Um, yeah,
7: and so you're talking like Newsmax,
14: Fox, and others? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about that. And, you know, 35, only 35% of CNN, MSNBC viewers knew that there have been no sanctions for Russian oligarchs with ties to Hunter Biden. And that's 53 versus 53% for Fox and Newsmax. So whether it's just the general baseline about the FBI whistleblower or kind of some of the more minor tangential points, such as sanctions to Russian oligarchs, the disparity is huge. It's anywhere between 16 and 26 percent when it comes to Biden family scandals. We can talk about some of the other issues, too, but because we looked at all kinds of other issues as well. Um, where well you just before find that we get into those, that- I
2: want to remind everybody who you are. And how they could find you. Then we'll take a pause and we'll come back and we'll look at the other issues because I think this is great work that you're doing. Folks, we're on with Curtis Houck. He's with the Media Research Center. And uh, we're looking at a poll that they just put out where uh, it, it found, you know, there was 50 percent of MSNBC and CNN viewers that weren't aware of some of the key issues involving the Bidens. And, and it gets worse. There's a lot more that they've, they've taken a look at depending on the issue gap. Uh, you've got two groups that average 23.5% on what the actual factual information was uh, between the viewers of these various uh, cable networks. So we're going to get into that and and everything else that they uh, measured in this poll uh, with Curtis Houck from the Media Research Center, MRC.org. Don't go anywhere. I am. Rich Valdez.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. night with Rich
10: Valdez uh, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition used uh, to call them 155 millimeter weapons. this is a, this is a war relating to munitions and uh, they're running out of those that ammunition and we're low on it. And so what I finally did took the recommendation of the Defense Department, to not permanently but to allow for in this transition period where we have more one five five weapons, these shells for the Ukrainians, to provide them with a something that has a very low dud rate. It's about one I think it's one five oh, which is the least likely to be blowing. And it's not used in civilian areas. They're trying to get through those trenches and those then stop those
2: tanks from rolling. Is it me or is Joe El Baboso Biden one of the most boring speakers ever? It's hard to get through like 30 seconds of a clip. But anyway, that was Joe Biden talking about how, why and and the uh, importance uh, around uh, arming Ukraine with these uh, cluster bombs. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But we're on the topic of Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the the Biden family and everything else that, that seems to be happening in the media that isn't being spoken about. And our guest is Curtis Hauck, Newsbusters managing editor. They're a part of MRC and uh, they do fantastic work. They've got a poll out that is talking about how, you know, 50 percent, fewer than 50 percent of MSNBC and CNN viewers are aware of the key issues uh, with the Bidens. And there's other issues that they measured here that aren't getting any traction with the public. Curtis Houck, welcome back.
14: Good to be with you as always again.
2: And uh, let's talk about some of the the other um, things that you guys analyzed and measured in this poll, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's it's important that people know that you know so many of our fellow Americans are just being kept in the dark.
14: Yeah, they they would much rather talk about Donald Trump, and you know, <laughs> or, or assuming you know, being spoon fed by rich white liberal wine mom story. Our host Nicole Wallace that. We're domestic terrorists or something like that, that like your conservative you know uh brother or sister or aunt or neighbor you know is like a ticking time bomb that like you say wrong one wrong thing to us and we're the next mass shooter or something but right, no these people are <laughs> yeah, these people are complete mis they're complete information silos and it's borderline deranged and sociopathic but our of our poll the top number that I was just struck by the most was border crossings. You know, we've seen record numbers of border oh, crossings under this sure. president. Only 38% of CNN and MSNBC viewers knew that that is, that was astounding to me versus 77% of conservative media. That is a 39% difference. I mean, I, or the fact that, I'll just add another one about the border. There only 34% of them knew that there have been suspected terrorists caught at the border as well. Um, and then right. and one other A one from our of people other people that are on the uh,
2: FBI's uh, watch list.
14: Exactly. That, that, that's what it falls into as well. And then on the economy, only 38% knew that American households have lost $7,100 in purchasing power under Joe Biden. Versus 61% in conservative media. See, that I one mean, amazes it goes- me, really, Curtis.
2: You know why? Because I feel like it, not only should you know that, just do something, right? Go buy something. Go buy a burger. Go buy a car. Go buy anything. And you're going to see what kind of purchasing power you've lost because it's so well, yeah. evident. But yet they don't acknowledge that.
14: Right. Well, and I mean we're dealing with a news media, which is that you know, you look at okay, so when we were dealing with the Jordan Neely situation, when that story first came out, hmm. you would Sonny Hostin say, Well, if I rode the subway, I would be giving people like him money and food and all these other sorts of things and I would be compassionate and all these things. <laughs> but she doesn't and ride you notice know the, the subway. first part. You <laughs> notice that part. It's the same thing about going to the grocery store, you know. I mean, when was the last time, you know, Gail King or Joy Behar or, you know, George Stephanopoulos actually did their own grocery shopping? Right. When when have you ever seen them in a bodega? Right. Yeah. When is the last time they filled up their own gas? You know, there was a story last week on CBS about, you know, video game developers develop, you know, designing displays for cars. And Gail was like, well, I was driven, you know, I was driven around in a car this weekend that had one of those. And you're like, oh, wait a second. No, you weren't driving. You were being driven around. Um, So there's this complete detachment from reality. So, of course, when it comes to issues like the economy and immigration, things that affect all Americans or should affect all Americans, they're completely isolated from it. And those people that are perhaps most rabid on this, uh, when it comes to CNN and MSNBC, they live in in New York City, they live in Washington, where they are so wealthy and that they are so detached from reality that none of those increased costs really affect their bottom
2: line unbelievable i'm looking at here at the um the economic portion of it you've got gas prices going up by 52 percent and 56 percent recalled hearing about that uh meanwhile uh, during the biden administration but that number dropped to less than half or 48 percent among those who say they watch CNN and MSNBC. So it's fascinating how, I guess, you're you're suckered into thinking life is grand and gas is cheap when you watch CNN and MSNBC. I don't know how you do it because you still have to pay for gas at the pump, Curtis.
14: Right, and uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> you don't realize that, yeah, your gas bill, if, even if someone's filling it up for you or if work is paying for your gas, you're paying to fill up your gas tank, don't you get a receipt for this kind of stuff to like fill out expense reports. And don't you notice this? Um, The other, the one, the final number on the, on that section there where it comes to the economy was only 34% of CNMSC viewers knew that real wages and salaries have fallen under Joe Biden, that salaries and wages have, you know, either been flat or plummeted. I mean, that's just, I don't even know what to say about that. That is I mean, it's just astounding. And again, it goes to the point that, you know, in where I am in, outside of Washington, D.C., frequently six or seven of the 10 most richest counties in the country are in and around Washington. So the people in our news media setting the news agenda, people, you know, with the levers of power in Congress and those on K Street, you know, the, the declining, the decline in wages does not affect these folks at all. Because you'll see that, yeah, they didn't experience a COVID uh, plum, you know decline in values or unemployment. Same with 2008. It didn't affect these people at all because it's all dependent upon the government.
2: Unbelievable. Folks, again, we're on with uh, Curtis Howe. He's the managing editor at NewsBusters.org. They're uh, with uh, MRC. And we're, we're discussing just the absolute craziness that is uh, going on in our media today. And, and I love to see it quantified because, you know, you, I talk about this stuff just from anecdotal positions saying, you know, you know I don't see this here, I don't see this there. And, but it's great to see when there's numbers attached to it. But it's also eye-opening. It's pretty sad to see that there's so many Americans uh, that don't know what's going on. But I guess if we want to look at the glasses half full, we, we can say that, you know, those that are watching uh, Newsmax TV and Fox News, uh, most of them nearly three and four, 73 percent, recalled hearing at least about the economic news and and i guess that's a good thing now curtis let everybody know if they want to take a look at this poll um where do they go how do they follow the work that you guys are doing
14: yeah we're at newsbusters.org and we're at like newsbusters on twitter we're at the media research center on i believe instagram um we have all kinds of stories talking about the biden scandals um, the war in Ukraine, um, we have a big study about KJP. How many questions does she actually answer? We've quantified <laughs> that as well. Spoiler, only 2% about Biden scandals. So we have all kinds of stories uh, over at Newsbusters. We even uh, My story today was about Fang Fang. Um, so Fang Fang bang, <laughs> bang Bang was my headline. So you pick the issue. We'll have it uh, broken down about how the media is covering it or not covering it.
2: You guys do excellent work. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to check out MRC.org, Newsbusters.org, uh, and all the other divisions they have. They have a Latino division where they're they're, they're covering stuff in Spanish. It's excellent work that they do. Curtis Hauck, thank you for being here, sir. Thanks, Rich. You bet. Folks, more to come straight ahead. We're going to continue our conversation. Uh, We're going to get into a little bit of what's going on with living your life healthy, and we're going to talk with a veteran from the military who's going to bring us up to speed. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
1: 833 valdes That's
7: Valdez
2: with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Don't get fresh. That's what I used to tell the liberal callers when they get crazy on the phone. Anyway, give us a call if you want to join the conversation. And if you want to get fresh, I guess you can. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDES is the phone number. And, of course, I'm at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. That is Valdez with an S if you want to chime in that way. Uh, I... Just to clue you in, I check Twitter a couple of times a day uh, because you know that's where the news happens and whatnot. But um, I really enjoy Instagram. I, you know, call me whatever you want to call me, but I enjoy it because you get video, you get a quick hot take, you get the stories. There's so many different aspects to it. It's it's, it's a really uh, versatile social media app. Uh, Truth Social also a very good social media app. Um, and and there's a new one called Threads that I, I I've signed up for just so that nobody takes my name, but I don't think I'm going to use a third or fourth or fifth or whatever it is, social media at Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do that, but I, um, I was scrolling through social media earlier today and I saw some clips of Dana White, the UFC uh, president and uh, of UFC, of course, being the mixed martial arts league uh, called the ultimate fighting championship. And, he was um, shaking hands with former President Trump, uh, who I like to call Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States. And, and Trump was just getting such a warm reception in these videos I saw. And it was because there was a big fight uh, over the weekend. And the media, of course, um, they tried to, to get Dana White out of sorts and try to pit things like they usually do and, and frame them a certain way when they um try to um you know um they they try to um frame things a certain way to make it fit their narrative right uh but Dana White blasted a reporter for racism I mean, basically they they were trying to make it look like something was racist going on and he he turned it on them uh saying that the fight between uh, Israel Adesanya um and uh Dricus uh Duplessis, oh, this was, you know, on the reporter for making that up. And he just wasn't having it. Listen to this.
3: You know, I know you say, hey, this is the fight business. People say nasty things, right? But the tension between those two and kind of the racial undertones and all those things.
12: How do you. What were the racial undertones?
3: Drinker uh, says he's the real African fighter. And so, you know, Israel dropped some N words yeah. in there tonight.
12: So what was the racial. Who did? Who dropped the, the racial? Is Israel it? was saying over and over, yeah. Drop he's, he's, black. Like okay. he's black. Fifty in bombs. Okay,
3: he's black. Who gives? A I was gonna say. So you don't know. have any concern about the way the build up, the tension between those two?
12: I could care less. This is the fight business. Israel of signing. You can say whatever he wants to say. Who gives a? Why are people people about that? Some people oh, Of course yes. they are. Oh. Hey. All right, got it. Yeah. Too bad.
2: This is why people love guys like this, right? You just, you got to keep it gangsta. You got to keep it real. Uh, So anyway, Adesanya is a black fighter from Nigeria. He was taunting Duplessis, a white South African challenger. Again, this is according to a piece in the New York Post. After um, the uh, second round, TKO, and um, saying some some very, very very things, you know, like saying, let's go my N-word. What's up? B word. Let's go. N word. Uh, Mocking at Asanya, Yeah. My African brother. I'm African, but I'm no brother of yours. Duplassus report retorted to him. Uh, So there was a back and forth. And 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 what what I love about the the back and forth with Dana White and the reporter is the reporter was like, well, there's a lot of racial undertones here. Uh, And Dana White quite aptly put out, uh, pointed out, this was not racial undertones in any way this was nothing more than the hype that people uh, discuss in, you know, with, with any sporting event and that the, the black fighter was using the N word, which many black Americans and black, uh, uh, other people, right. From other parts of the world, um, frequently use in their vernacular. And, and I mean, to be very frank, right. Really? My dad's nickname was Negro. Uh, Because he was the darkest of his 12 siblings. And this had nothing to do with race or colorism or anything else. He just happened to be the darker, uh, you know, complexioned uh, sibling. And so he was known as El Negro to his uh, 12 brothers and sisters. And, And, you know, it just... A reporter like that would come and be like, you know, so what were the racial undertones like with your dad and his 12 brothers and sisters? What was that like? And, you know, and I would have to probably take a similar position and laugh at this guy if they did something like that. Uh, Lamentably, that's just not how it is in in real life. People, you know, just because you have a black guy fighting a white guy or two guys that are from the continent of Africa uh, that are going at it. And it was more probably a rivalry about that than anything else. Where they they try to make it a, to seem like it's about something else, but it's not. It you know just it, point blank is not uh, the case. And and I just think it's it's so interesting that that we're in a a time in history where this is the goal of those that are in media. This is the goal of you know people feel like. They're going to sell more of whatever, you know, more clicks, more clickbait, more more clicks on your headline, more views on your video if you have a more provocative headline. And I'm sure that's true. Uh, But ultimately, I think, you know, there's guys like Dana White that say, you know what? While you guys sit there and hype up the fight is black versus white. You know, the the, the, the new um, civil rights war. It's it's really about a fight. Right. And of course, if you want to add a little rivalry to it, just, you know, for the sake of promo, you can do that. But ultimately, it, it's about the substance of it. Right. It, it, it really is. It's like when I when I make a big deal about Kamala Harris and I call Kim, it is right. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm using a little satire, a little ridicule there. But ultimately, it's not just about making fun of her, calling him Joel Baboso Biden. Those are minuscule things. It's really about how badly they do their job in comparison to what we would expect, right? So I think that that's um, what, what makes it funny. And, and you get to laugh at it, but still look at the real meat and potatoes, the actual issue that we're facing. And here the issue we're facing was the athleticism of one uh, competitor versus the other, irrespective of whether one is white versus the other who might be black. That's just stupid. It really is. I mean, and I get it. Look, I get it. You know, I've been to fights where there's a a Puerto Rican boxer and, you know, and that's a part of it. People go because, you know, they're like, oh, look, that's the guy that reps, you know, our, uh, you know, our our ancestral homeland, our roots. Okay, great. But it's not about the Puerto Rican guy versus the Mexican guy or any other guy. It's just they're repping where they come from or their ancestral uh, roots. And and it's really about one's superior athleticism versus the other and and it's just again it's just it's sad uh how the media tries to take that uh to a different level so we'll continue uh as we come back i'm going to give you the phone number again 833 482 833-4valdez your calls and more straight ahead
1: this is america at night Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
2: All right, America, welcome back. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. Let's go to Josh. He's in Grass Valley, California. KNCO. Josh, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
11: Hey, what's up? I hope you're doing great. Um, Wonderful. Thank I, God. I just, it's about the whole, like, LGBTQ thing. It's just driving me nuts. In other words, I mean, basically, like, in, 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 I've studied history, and homosexuality has existed for thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can want whatever you want, but we talk about it so much. I feel like we're promoting it. You know, in other words, it's like, I just wish we would focus in on what's important and focus in on what matters. And if people, and, and I've thought about this before, cause any good Christian, any good Christian has thought about this before. Like what is the purpose of homosexuality or why is it on such a upswing? And, you know, I don't know, maybe there's too many humans on earth, you know, a man and a man can't make a baby together. I don't judge. I try to come from like a Jesus background. So but what I notice is what we talk about constantly, we promote. So like I'm just like kind of wondering what why is it that we're all who who, 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 people who maybe aren't into it and don't want to promote it. Are like I feel like talking about it, like promoting it, basically. Instead of promoting, what what should we be promoting? Instead of f- focusing in on what's bad, what is there that's good that we should be focusing in on instead?
2: Well, how would you answer that? What what's good that you would like to focus on?
11: Well, permaculture, you know, I mean, like, tell us about natural. It. Well. It's a theory that was created by Bill Mollison and another man um, not that long ago. I think he may have passed. And it's just a way of, you know, that we should be managing the environment so that we can all live together with plants and animals and, and have food and not have to like be slaves to some, you know, artificial intelligence that's destined to come which is obvious, that's what we're heading towards, but why not just slow it down and just have a more mellow, gentle lifestyle, loving each other, Jesus-based, Christian-based, heart-based, why not? Why all of this push towards artificial intelligence, trying to go to Mars, transhumanism, you know, why? Why not let's slow down? and make peace yeah. on earth.
2: Well, I mean, I think there's a, a couple of reasons for, for that stuff. I think number one, it, it part of what you're saying is um, is kind of like saying, you know, why did Eve take the bite from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, right? Why did she do it? Uh, why do we have murder? Why do we have child molesters? Why do we have people that steal? All right, why is there evil that exists in the world? Because there is, right? There, There there's, is evil in the world. And it is a thing. And, I mean, we could be an ostrich and bury our heads in the sand and say, well, you know, while there's a ton of evil in the world, we're not going to talk about any of it. And we're going to talk about all the wonderful things like uh, the panda bear at the uh, San Diego Zoo that just had whatever, you know, its fifth baby. Uh, And we could do that. I mean, A, I just don't know how much of that people want to know and how, how much of that they feel is super important to their daily lives, um, you know, it's nice to have a feel good story every now and again, but I think people want to know what they're missing out on. And many times it's those, uh, interesting clips, like the one we played earlier, where people are taking to the streets in London and shouting God is trans. You know, I wasn't shouting God is trans. They were. So, you know, as much as I don't want to promote that, I think it's important as a commentator, I have to give commentary on things that happen to me. That's a, a newsworthy item Where we've got to say, hey, you know, let's talk about this God is trans stuff, you know, or when you have somebody that's wearing one of those um, one piece bathing suits from Target that have the um, extra cutout for for the male genitalia and they're, you know, purporting to be a female or identifying as a female and they want to swim against Riley Gaines. Well, again, I think Riley Gaines is going to talk about the guy that's saying he's a girl that wants to swim against her as opposed to, you know, what you talked about with, with, you know, a sustainable farming and, and this Jesus culture, which I think is fantastic. Uh, so I think that that part of the answer is it's just, you know, people want uh, to, to have a, an entertaining and informative conversation and headline and, and, and some of those topics do fit that mold. And I think others don't, um, and that's probably the best way that i could square it but uh interesting uh good point and i appreciate the call josh from grass valley california knco big shout out to everybody in california california love anyway we're coming right back uh we're going to continue with uh, your calls and more don't go anywhere
1: this is america at night with rich valdez now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
2: All right, America, welcome back. We're going to continue with your calls and more. Let us see. Where do we go from here? We go to Michael in cornwall canada w-e-z-f michael go right ahead you're on with rich valdes
4: hi uh thanks for putting me on the air so fast uh so
2: uh, we love the canadians go right ahead
4: uh so in regards to first of all if you look in nature uh how can i say this politely monkeys don't male monkeys don't f uh other male monkeys why not uh in nature well,
2: why aren't it, the male monkeys effing one another? Yeah, because simply it's, it's unnatural not a natural thing to do. Okay, right, and so you it, can't make more monkeys that way.
4: Well, let's stop uh, I didn't think about that, Rich. Uh, thanks for pointing that out to There'd
2: me. There'd be no more monkeys, in right? Regards- <laughs> if that were the case.
4: <laughs> well, we all descend from monkeys, right? So anyway. So uh, <laughs> the other thing too is yours in, in regards to your reason why the whole trans thing and somebody pointed this out to me recently, and it's simple as this. It costs a lot, and I'm talking like close to a million dollars or something like that to get a sex change. So why is this happening right now? Big Pharma is making money off of all of these trans uh, operations, right?
2: Puberty blockers, sure.
4: Everything. Uh, everything. So that's that's the answer to your question. So Yeah, uh, listen,
2: I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know... Anytime somebody can exploit something, they will. And there's always two sides of it, right? You get the people that are righteous and, and they're righteously indignant about something like, yeah, how dare you come against these people that are just trying to live their truth and be who they were really, you know, trapped in this wrong body. And they're just trying to be authentic. And, and you have this th- these people that really believe that. And then you have a bunch of other guys, like you said, that are, I think, you know, wringing their hands and. And, and uh, counting the money as they're like, yeah, put them on puberty blockers. Yeah, do this, do that. Let's start younger and younger. Let's see if we can get the teachers union involved and get the little kids and, and continue this gravy train where ultimately people are going to uh, make money off of a situation. And, and, you know, there's an old saying that anything worth doing is worth doing for money. And I always believe that, you know, there's a political saying. And it, it's this, it's about the money. And when it's not about the money, it's about the money. And I, I've always seen that to be true. And maybe that's just a Jersey thing, but I can tell you that here in New York, New Jersey, East Coast, that's always been the case. It, it's rarely ever about ideology. It's always about the money. And when it's not about the money, it's about the money, Michael.
4: Yeah. And as far as ideology, the other thing too is... Uh, I mean, some politicians are fair and honest. Whatever but the bottom line is, it's all about votes, right?
2: Right, right. And again, that game, too. (laughs) It's about the money. And if it's not about the money, it's about the money. Because you you don't get votes unless you have money. You don't win unless you have money. You can't have a campaign unless you have money. Ultimately, that's where it, uh, it all boils down to. Thank you, Michael. Listening on WEZF in Cornwall, Canada. Never been to Cornwall, Canada. Uh, But uh, I'm sure it's lovely this time of year. Thanks, Michael. We appreciate it. Now, we're going to get to the rest of your calls momentarily on the other side because we're about to take a pause. But I want to just tease some of the stuff we're talking about. We talked about Biden, Biden's foreign policy. We talked about America being divided and how we might be able to unite America. We're also going to talk about dating. Right? Dating is something uh, I do every now and again. And uh, there's an interesting clip I want you to hear. I was on social media, and the craziest thing this woman was saying, how traditional dating is all wrong. You got to do it the way she says it. So we're going to play that clip, and I'd love your feedback. Give me a call, 833-482-5337. It's Open Phone America, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be with you this Monday evening. And our telephone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, pull up a chair. It's like a big round table where we discuss everything that happened during the day, and we do it live at night with all of you. 833 482 Valdez. Now, let's... Um, Let's talk about a couple of things, right? Let's first go over some of the headlines here, because there was a lot of uh, news today uh, with Biden and with um, you name it. It was um, a, a busy, a busy news day. One of the, one of the busy um, stories I want to jump into uh, was a woman who um, was caught on video berating a Hispanic family at a pool in Colorado. And now she's saying, look, 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 listen, listen, even though you heard me say all these things and it was, uh, you know, expletive uh, laden uh, tirade, it was and racially charged at that. This wasn't racist, per se. Again, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Listen, I'm a kid that, uh, you know, a man now that grew up in Brooklyn where. Using race for description was incredibly common. I mean, uh, in, this, in my generation, we just started to not do that as much. You know, it's more like you'd go, Jack, Jack wearing the yellow shirt, <laughs> you know. But the generation just before me, you know, uh, literally, my brothers and, and everybody in that age, you know, it's like 50 years old now. Um, they, they literally was like, Tommy? Yeah, black Tommy, Jewish Tommy, Greek Tommy. Which Tommy are you talking about? Like everything was based on race. Where'd you go? I was on Flatbush on the Haitian side. Like everything was, was, that's just how the neighborhood was. That's how people were. Everybody did it. Not just one race, every race. Everybody's, oh, you're going to the Spanish neighborhood. Oh, you're with the Puerto Ricans. Oh, you're over there. Yeah, it just that's how it was. You know, if you went to Brighton Beach, oh, it's the Russians, which are now Ukrainians. But that was the um, the gist. And nobody, nobody, not a single, you know, group in large part, you know, I'm sure there might have been some naysayers in within those groups, but uh, nobody took offense to to any uh, of, of that type of comments because it wasn't a it wasn't offensive, in my opinion, and it wasn't meant to be offensive. It was just really racial descriptors because so many neighborhoods were race based, if you will. You know, and there were many mixed neighborhoods, too, but there were areas that were predominantly one uh, race versus another race. And, and that's how you knew what part of town you were in. And I think things were fine, you know, other than, other than the crown Heights riots. And again, that was not necessarily race. That was just, it ended up becoming a big racial riot because of the, um, the, the person hit a, a child, um, with their car and that that became a thing and then it broke out into like you know the, the, the Jews and and I think it was the Haitians uh going at it just uh outside of Flatbush and again that was the Crown Heights riots back in the 90s but it wasn't really about race it was about you know the death of a child and uh it just happened to be that one neighborhood versus the other neighborhood and everybody had each other's back and they all happened to be you know um Either Jewish or Haitian and, and that's how that worked out uh, but um, my point in all of that is that's what it was like for me as a kid growing up in New York. but you know when you hear about these these videos or you listen to the audio of a woman who launches into this racially charged uh, rant against a Hispanic family um, because of their race or because of their background, then it, it's, um, it's something else. And again, maybe, maybe that wasn't the case, but it, it definitely seems that way given the amount of bleeps that we had to do. And this isn't like one of those funny late shows where we unnecessarily bleep things, right? Like if you say your middle name, let's say your middle name's Jack and they go, hi, my name is Rich Bleep Valdez. You know, it's like, I didn't curse, it just said Jack. <laughs> but uh, that whole unnecessary censorship stuff, this isn't that, this is uh, actual censorship. Uh, listen to this.
8: You have a flop, two people. You don't have
7: a
3: f- Mexican party in the pool, trash. Oh yeah, you want, you, you can't do that. You can't just record me. You can't just record me.
7: Oh, I'm here. I'm so
5: sorry. I'm so sorry. oh, you guys are such yeah. so Go back down to Denver. Please
2: up. I live here. All right. So that is Blair Featherman. She's forty nine years old. And she told the Daily Mail that she's not racist and that the clip that was posted on TikTok and has now become viral of her and her bikini saying they're having a Mexican party and, you know, going ahead and cursing them out and uh, calling them trash was uh, and low-class, was not racial. <laughs> and uh, I guess, you know, you know, maybe she was from Brooklyn. <laughs> That's actually an insult to all of my, uh, my fellow Brooklynites. No, no, no. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt, but it seems like, you know, um, she was not a, a fan of the Mexicans. And um, again, if you don't like something somebody does, call out what they did. Don't call them out for their race, you know. How would she like it they turned around and said, oh, you know, it's because you're a stupid white lady. She's not doing that because she's white. She's doing it because she's stupid, right? And that that's the key word, emphasis on stupid. But anyway, Featherman was filmed calling the family trash and low class for having a pool party on the 4th of July and, it, you know, saying that there are things that she needed to say but the video doesn't show all of it and it's taken out of context. Again, uh, I think if you're, you start calling people saying you're having a Mexican party, you, you know, just imagine if they turn and say, listen, lady, you're having a white party. <laughs> I think that'd be racist, right? Uh, who, who does that stuff? So anyway, uh, that that's that. And I think it's it's crazy. It's crazy that that's where we are as, uh, as society. People just uh, so hyper focused on race anyway uh let us um go to the calls straight ahead i actually want to go to them now but we have we have let's do it now we've got frank in akron ohio he's on winr great station by the way uh frank go right ahead you're on with rich valdez
10: Thanks, Rich. You're a class
2: act. <laughs> okay. Thank you. you. I appreciate it, brother. You Love you, yourself. too. What's going on?
10: Yeah. I'm a Jew by adoption. I'm a Christian believer, born again. Amen. And I try and watch what comes out of my mouth. And uh, my scripture says, come ye apart and be ye separate. These reprobates, the, the LGBTQ, I whatever I I don't really don't care I look past the color you know by their fruits you will know them and they're fighting hard to be accepted and they're weaving themselves into our society whether they're programmers or whether they're unemployed or whether they're on welfare or whether they're living at home with mom and dad or in a commune or whatever they're weaving themselves into our society and they're dividing us Yeah, you know, the old, you know, club piven, Piven, divide and conquer. Yeah, Yeah.
2: right. Yeah, that's uh, Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Pivens, uh, communist professors that are married. Uh, Yeah, they're they're all about overwhelming the system and uh, ultimately dividing and conquering, which is a very communist idea. And you're right. That's a um, sadly, that is a, a a mantra that we're seeing with those that don't. Like religion, don't like Jesus, don't like America. In many ways, they they um, this is what they want to do is divide and conquer. They're against what they like to call quote unquote organized religion. But I guess they're for disorganized religion. Um, you know, I had somebody ask me the other day, uh, are are you uh, are you very religious? And I thought I don't know. Can you be very pregnant? You know, it just it's it's amazing the way people uh, portray things because once you you know it, 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 we're in a place now today where, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm of the Christian faith. They'd, oh, okay, great, good for you. you know, now, today, you say, I'm of the Christian faith, and they're like, oh, you're a bigot. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, oh, you're, a, uh, you're one of those crazy radicals that believes in, you know, uh, things uh, that aren't real. It's just amazing the, the number that has been done on Christianity over the years, in particular, I'd say the last five years, uh, where we've now, it's, it's almost like it's a position of virtue to say that you're some sort of atheist or agnostic, um, you, you people view people that will reject God as somehow holier than thou or, you know, more righteous than those that acknowledge God. And it just fascinates me. The other thing they do is the age-old, you know, oh, my gosh, there's so many hypocrites in church, you know, where— Whereas, of course, there's hypocrites in church. There's hypocrites that call this program. There's hypocrites in your bodega. There's hypocrites uh, wherever you go. W- why wouldn't you find any in church? People think that just because you're in a church means that you're in a um, utopia. No, of course not. I think uh, church is accurately described as a hospital for sinners, um, not a hotel for saints. And uh, I think you bring up a great point, uh, Frank, that we have a problem uniting America and and it's because we've embraced all of the divisiveness. Yeah, my understanding is
10: that woman lives
2: in upper New York, that old bat that, uh, <laughs> doesn't surprise me <laughs> if they told me she was from Brooklyn. I'd have to you know, do a face palm off the area. Uh, but she was dead wrong. You, you just don't do that. You know, I, I don't think you do that. Uh, it's not the way to, you know, if you didn't like what somebody was doing, you don't say oh, you're already having a Mexican party. That's the dumbest thing ever. Just imagine it's an African-American flag. What are you going to get having a black party? You'd be roasted for that. And rightfully so. You shouldn't talk to people that way, no matter where they're from. Frank, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Great talking to you. Thanks for your kind words. Big shout out to WINR and everybody in Ohio. And we're coming right back with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere.
10: Rich Valdez, who, again, will do a fine job, and I know you'll enjoy listening to him.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, that's me, actually, uh, at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. And speaking of social media, um, I'm just looking at the comments on, on the break, and um, I see one from at Cape May, Rocky he goes by Deplorable Rocky Number Three on Twitter. He says Rich is a great interviewer and has a great podcast. Thank you, Deplorable Rocky. Big shout out to you. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate you and your kind words, and everybody else that's uh, commenting online and calling the program. I appreciate it. Eight three three four valdez Happy to have this conversation with you, and I want to uh, continue our discussions and our calls. Let us go to Matt, Eastern North Carolina, WTKF. Matt, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Rich, how are you doing today? Tonight? I'm wonderful, thank you. Better than I sound.
15: Very good. Very good. Well, okay, but that's fine. But <laughs> two quick, uh, a few quick points if I make. Mm-hmm. There's weirdos in the U.K. There's weirdos in the U.K. screaming that God is trans disgusting number one yeah i agree and number two i believe we had a caller in uh california named josh i might have the name wrong no yeah earlier. i think that was his
2: name josh called a little while ago good call
15: R- right and he said uh we need to focus on what's positive not these weirdos trying to drag us down that's number two and number three i had a most excellent gift today in the mailbox called a Trump 2024 flag. Isn't that <laughs> cool. great? Yeah, I
2: thought yeah. you were going to say you got like a, a tax refund or something. i that's even better.
15: Oh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, because there's my friend, I uh, won't even mention any names, but it uh, would cost me 60 bucks, but I got it for free. You know, I think you know who he is without me. I don't have to say any words.
2: Well, I'm glad that right. you've got uh, a, a Trump flag that you like. I hope that you display it loud and proud and do what you got to do. And I think you're right. These UK crazies are crazies. Um, But, and I do try to focus on the positive and keep things kind of lighthearted. It's kind of my personality. I'm not, you know, doom and gloom, Uh, but I can't help, but hear these crazies and talk about them. I I feel like it's incumbent upon us, not just me, just all of us to have this conversation because otherwise these things kind of go under the rug and then people don't know that these crazies exist. So th- then it's it's kind of like, oh, come on, they're not bothering anybody. What do you mean they're not bothering anybody? They're in the streets saying God is trans. That bothers me. At least it offends me. And, and I have to say, if they're allowed to have an opinion, I better be allowed to have an opinion. Right. You better be allowed to have an opinion. We all better be allowed to have an opinion because it can't be a one way street. Right. If you're going to do you, I'm going to do me. And and that's how it's going to be. And this is why I just can't let certain things slide because we have to call out that stuff that is right on my podcast. Quick plug for the podcast called This Is America with Rich Valdez. Um, been doing it for years and it's a shorter version of this show and doesn't usually have guests on. It's just my commentary. But I always end the show with two refrains, one from um, Lord Acton and, and Sir Edmund Burke and one from... um attributed to Thomas Jefferson, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Thomas Jefferson, and, or Hamilton, rather. And, and it is that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like us to do nothing. And the other is that if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And to me, those two things are in incredibly true. And that's why I don't let I don't let anything slide. Right. If I see it out there in the news, I'm going to bring it out, even if it's not positive, because I think it's so important that we call it out for the future generations, for those who are making this country go round. Right. For those that are in 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 their cars, going to work, coming back from work, those that are at work doing all of these things that uh, many of us don't do. Right. And, And. we all have a job, but not everybody's out there at this hour of the night, you know, on their grind doing their job. So there's a lot of people, millions of people that listen to the show that I feel, um, you know, are, are busy at work. And, and they're not able to to put in all the research or watch all the programs or do what it is because they're busy working, taking care of their families, doing what they do. And, and it, it's um, only fair to them, right, that we have these conversations and, and bring it to light. Anyway, that's uh, where I'm at with that one, Matt. Yes, sir. Yeah, you got it, brother. Well, thank you for the call. I agree. And I think, yes, a great call from Josh. And Godspeed to you, brother. Big shout out to everybody listening on WTKF. Love everybody in Eastern North Carolina. And we're going to continue with the rest of your call straight ahead. Plus, I want you to hear what this woman says. She says that dating is outdated, right? The way that we, you and I have been dating. Like if you meet a nice young lady and you say, hey, look. Let me take you to dinner. I'd like to get to know you better. Or if you say, you know, hey, maybe I could take you to a movie. This is all wrong, and she does not want to go out with you. So anyway, we're going to get to your calls and more and uh, continue our journey across the country. 8334-VALDEZ, 8334-VALDEZ. I am Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere.
1: Pair in live late night radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
2: All right, welcome back. It's me, Rich Valdez. Some of you know me as Richie V. I used to be Mr. Call Screener on the uh, Mark Levin Show. Great mentor of mine, Mark Levin. And um, I'm going to get to your calls momentarily. I see we got calls from Colorado, from Delaware, and from Arizona. We're definitely going to get to you guys momentarily. Stick with me. Don't go anywhere. Uh, I just want to play this audio of uh, this clip that I heard a woman. It's called Eight at the Table Podcast. It's it's really interesting. Uh, They they have a uh, podcast that they do, and, and they put clips online. And... One of the clips was a guest of theirs that was discussing dating. And I'm going to let you hear it. I'm not going to do too much setup up here. But it was a very interesting take that she had on dating. And I said, you know what? I've got to share this with this amazing audience because it's an, it, it was a take that, you know, I almost felt slighted. Right? She started talking about steak and all sorts. Of, and I was I love steak. You, you, you give me um, a beautiful woman and a steak? That's like a date, you know, to remember for the ages. But anyway, I want you to hear this woman um, on the Eight at the Table podcast.
5: That's just how some guys know how to date. But they just they think (laughs) that that it's restaurants. They don't have nothing else. That's the restaurant. That's it. That they don't have nothing else. else. All they want to do. And I think if we're talking about stuff that's outdated, you taking me to a restaurant for the first few dates is very outdated. Yeah. If we're just meeting up, I don't want to go to the movies. I don't want to go to a restaurant. I don't want to do any of these things as a first date because that's not me getting to know you. That's not us having genuine conversations, especially if we go to the movies. Like, what are we going to do? Talk about how we want our steak cooked? Cool. But, like, it'll be better <laughs> if we have time to, like, yo, I like to run. I like to work out. Let's go for a walk. Let's go to the gym. Like, I'd much rather do that than go to the go out to a restaurant. Yo, I love that answer. But
2: I, I disagree. Do say I hate disagree. that answer. Now listen, uh, I I don't it's not a strong disagree, it's like a moderate disagree. I understand what she's saying, she'd like an outing, a different activity. She doesn't want something where it's kind of confined to the activity of the dinner. I understand her point. The problem is I tried to put myself in in my own shoes. <laughs> and when I did that, I was like, I don't want to go and ask a girl, "Hey, do you want to go running with me or take a walk with me?" That is so cheesy. Again, now listen. If you're listening to this show and you're like, you know what, Rich, you are off your game, bro. You were so off your game. You had better take me out to a walking bath or to a uh, to a, you know a, a a track where you can go running. Um, I don't know. Let me know uh, at eight three three four Valdes eight three three four eight two five three three seven. I want to know what your thoughts are on this dating stuff. But I can tell you, I think going to dinner. And having a steak and getting to know somebody over small talk or whatever kind of conversation you can make. Listen, I make conversation all day long. It's what I do. Uh, I can can make conversation with the best of them, I think. So it doesn't matter to me where we do it. um, But talk about a good steak? Come on. How how are you going to put down a good steak, you know? And by the way, I like mine um, medium if, if we're at a steakhouse. If we're at like a restaurant that, you know, may or may not be a steakhouse, then uh, I'll probably go medium well. But you got to be careful because sometimes you go medium well and they bring you this hockey puck with no blood in it. And then it, it's not tender, it's not soft, it doesn't have the right flavor, and it's just incredibly overcooked. So um, you got to be very cautious there. But that's my my thinking here is I want to know what are your thoughts on this first date. Now, some of you are thinking, look, Rich, I've been married for 60 years. I get that. But what are your thoughts on this I want to know what you think, because I think it's a great idea to go out to have a steak or whatever dinner, you know, um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to, you know, lose a few more pounds and start saying, hey, listen, shorty, I want to take you for a jog. Let's go. I don't know. You <laughs> let me know if I'm right or wrong on this one. Eight, three, three, four, Valdez. Let's get to your calls here. Uh, let's go to Eddie in Durango, Colorado. KDGO. Eddie, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
12: Rick, I, I really enjoy the show, but I just wanted to make a comment about this race and identification.
2: Sure. Well, before and you get to race, tell me about the stake date. What do you think about that?
12: I would say, see you later, and walk out the door. You know, What's just, that? You know, have a nice day. I'd say, see you later, and walk out the door. <laughs>
11: yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. See ya,
12: and I would go find a, go go to a, another sw- uh, <laughs> another pond and do some fishing elsewhere.
2: I hear you. All right, now tell me, what are your thoughts on, on
12: race? So, you know, if you read the Bible, and which I do, uh, yeah. throughout the Bible, I mean, King David and, and so many others, Jesus Christ, they use race as a way of identifying the, 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 um, the Samaritans, for example. You know, Jesus said at the will of Sam- Samaria, mm-hmm. and he spoke to the Samaritan women. So, and also, if you call the police— and you say you know that there was a perpetrator and he just got, got robbed by a really whatever. tall guy right yeah <laughs> right you know, they're not going to say they're not going to say well, you know what kind of shoes was he wearing and they're going the first thing they ask is what what race is he so i guess all the police departments in the united states are racist is that right because yeah, well there's a good race.
2: group of people that'll say that that's for sure
12: and, you know, what, what what's going to happen if you identify somebody as a girl, are we going to now be racist because we called somebody a girl instead of their bi gender or whatever it is? So it's just it's getting so absurd. If you have a group of four four white guys and one black guy and you can't identify the man, as a, or, man or woman as a black man, that's not being racist. It's just a way of identifying somebody. So it's, it's just so ludicrous that people have become so oversensitive. Um, it's just, you know, I just, that's just my opinion.
2: No, I'm with you. Listen, I think uh, racial identifiers are real and they become more real when you do this work that I do. Right. For example, I, I you can't see me right? People all over the country, when they meet me in real life, they're like, wow, I didn't picture you looking like this. (laughs) You have no idea what I look like. But when they, when they see me, they're like, oh my gosh. And, And this is why I try to clue people in and tell them I'm a bald guy with a beard. I like hip hop music. My parents are Puerto Rican, you know, so this way, when you cross me in the street, you know, hey, look, there's that bald Puerto Rican guy who talks on the radio because otherwise you'd have no idea. You need descriptions and race is one of the descriptors that we use in life. And it's just beyond me how we we try to so hard to go above and beyond to do, quote-unquote, the right thing, that we do the wrong thing. And we we do an ineffective job at things sometimes because we're, we're, you know, just um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater in many ways. But, Eddie, thank you for your kind words. I appreciate that you enjoy the show, and I appreciate your call. Great comment. And big shout-out to everybody in Durango, Colorado, KDGO, another great station. And I'm happy that you uh, joined the program. Let us continue. Um, where do we go from here? <clears throat> I want to go to, I want to go to Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, WDEL. Now, Doc was on with us on Friday and uh, saying that he, he uh, had to go with Biden because Biden's the best choice on foreign policy. Doc, welcome back.
6: I have to give you an apology. I want to talk about race in a minute. I have to give you an apology on national radio right now. Why is after that? The comments he's made After the comments he's made about Ukraine not joining NATO because it's not time yet, I, cannot, I can't support Joe Biden for the presidency. And well, on balance, you were, you were right and all the way alive, and I'm wrong. Every single Republican candidate has called him to task on that comment, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, and Tim Scott, they will all come to task on that comment. So it is for me this year, it's ABB, B. anybody but Biden or ABD, anybody but a Democrat. <laughs> I can't, yeah. I just can't go that way, Rich. I can't go that way this year. And for well, thank God you had some, you must have had some Detroit.
2: Cuban coffee, Doc.
6: Yes. And number two, about race. Here's, here's the ahead. deal. Delaware is a very schizoid state. In my county, we only have three counties. Northernmost county is called Newcastle. That's where I live. We're very cosmopolitan. We're part of the Northeast. Everybody's thrown together. We all get along. Our two Southern counties are more like the South, American South and the other, the other Northeast, but we still get along down there. In my building here in Northern Delaware, I am one of um, two white people. The other white person is a gay female. All of my neighbors are minorities. Across all from me is the Mexican-American couple with a lovely little, little girl. We have a, a couple of the Arab immigrants. He is studying or teaching at our university here. He's a wonderful guy. So he's just a wonderful lady. I've had their food. I've had the Mexican food. All the rest of my neighbors in my building are black, and we all get along. That's my story. I think that if you make a—I think the stuff of this racial stuff, and then both, both sides are playing it. Part of the Trump base are almost Confederates, and the Democrats have been playing, as you know, Rich, identity mm-hmm. politics for way too long. I think oh, we yeah. have to give up this racial kick and just be Americans, just to be, be I, Americans and just forget I'm about with the rest you. of it.
2: hundred percent on that. And and listen, and I go a step further. I know a lot of people take exception. I think we are all Americans, but if you want to tell me that you like bratwurst or you like kielbasa because you're a German American or a Polish American or whatever, God bless you. I love diversity. I really do. You know, I, 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 being uh, brought up the way I was my mom, Born in Puerto Rico, she, she cooked uh, like Puerto Ricans do. Now, some people might look at Hispanic food overall and go, yeah, Cubans, they eat rice and beans. The Mexicans eat rice and beans. The Dominicans eat rice and beans. But I'll tell you, I, I can differentiate all of these cuisines, and I enjoy all of them. You know, I go to Mexican restaurants. I go to Dominican restaurants. I love going to Puerto Rican restaurants. They're hard to find. And uh, my Cuban restaurant's the, the go-to because it's the closest one to me. But they're all different. They all have different flavor, all different um, sazon, if you will, a little different type of sofrito. And and I enjoy them all. And I think it's okay to enjoy them all. It's okay to say you're an American of this descent or that heritage and whatever. It's okay to be all different and all the same, in my opinion. But, Doc, I appreciate the apology. I'm glad that you're seeing things um, for what they are with foreign policy with our man Joe El Maboso Biden. Hopefully he doesn't get a second term. And and yes, anybody but him would do a good job. I'm voting for you, Doc, if you run. Anyway, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody on WDEL. Now, I want to continue. Do I continue or do I pause? Okay, they're telling me I have to pause. I, I wanted to continue because you guys are terrific and we've got calls from all over. And I want to get to you, and we're going to. We're going to get to as many of these as we can, so we're going to keep them brief, but get everybody in. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
1: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
2: Continuing with your phone calls, open phone, America, eight three three four 4 valdez is the phone number. Let's go to Carol Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Carol, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome.
8: I'm I'm an older lady, so I don't know about the younger uh, trends, but I do know that I was appreciated. The man taking me out to dinner for one thing. He spends, it means that he's not totally cheap. Also, you Mm -hmm. can see how, and I've heard this from other ladies, you can see how he treats waiters and waitresses does he belittle them does he treat them with respect and that will show how he might treat you later and also you can see how if he tips does he feel like tipping you know is appropriate or not you don't know if that's the kind of man you want to be with and personally i would want to walk alone with somebody i just met
2: outstanding analysis yeah. i love that carol you're right is this guy el cripo who wants to walk with you in some park? Uh, is he El Rudo with the way he treats the uh, waitresses and uh, the other wait staff? And is he El Chipo? How is he, you know, tipping? Excellent points. I, I, and I listen. I agree. I I I want to put my best foot forward when I go on a date in all of those areas because I think that those are still important things. So leave it to your wisdom and those pearls of wisdom that you just shared with us to to put a little clarity on that. Thank you, Carol, in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Excellent point. Uh, let's continue. Where do we go from here? We go to Pat in Sedona, Arizona, listening online. Rich Valdez, com. Pat, go right ahead quickly.
9: Hey, Rich, how you doing? How you and that great head hair are you, hair you doing? Uh,
2: I am uh, so wonderfully coiffed that- over here. Thank God.
9: Yeah, I love that commercial. Hey, <laughs> you know what? You are my friend. You're not my Latino friend. You are my friend. You're my American friend. I just want you to know Mm -hmm. that. I'm not a racist guy. I love you. I grew up with people from Mexico, where I grew up in Colorado, so I have no problem. I love diversity just like you. First thing Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you about is this transgender thing. I find that when you're an adult, you live your life. As long as it's in within the law, the way you want, so be it. But when they go after our children, it disgusts me. Our kids at certain ages have no real idea what their sexual identity is, and they prey upon that. Mm. And I just don't like that. I mean, there's a story about a girl that was playing volleyball in South Carolina back east, and a boy, a trans boy was playing on the girls' team, recognized himself as a girl. He hit a ball about 90 miles an hour. It hit her in the head. Wow. And now she has permanent brain damage. Boys playing girls' sports is wrong. Any way you can say it's wrong. You could go into college saying it's wrong, too, but in schools, kids under 18 or 21 leave them alone.
2: Pat, you're so right on this, and I, I mean thank you for that because uh, Riley Gaines brought that up in the first hour of the program tonight. She was uh, spot on with this stuff. You, we have to call things out the way they are, and you just can't pretend that these are not real issues. People will get hurt at, at, at the professional level, and not in UFC but at other mixed martial arts. i would seen a, a, a male MMA fighter transition to female and then had a fight and fractured this woman's skull, the orbital bone, uh, just really messed her up. Uh, a male dressed or uh, identifying as a a female and just absolutely destroyed a female competitor in a mixed martial arts maxi- match. So you're right. I appreciate the comment. I think you're spot on. Big shout out to you, Pat, in Arizona. You are my friend. I love you. And we're coming right back with the rest of your calls. Straight ahead, don't go anywhere.
1: This is America Night with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, we're going to swing it over to Vero Beach, Florida, WTTB, great affiliate. Uh, John Vero Beach, go right ahead, John.
10: Oh, Rich, it's always a pleasure. Your show is just fantastic brilliant. Thank you, sir. Um, Thank you. You're more than welcome. I I once was uh, supervised by a gentleman by the name of Henry Gilbert at a nuclear construction site, and he was the head quality control engineer of the whole site with 20 or 30 inspectors under him. And he was a person of color, and everybody never even thought about color. He was brilliant, a brilliant man. He could pull up all the tens of our codes, the ANZA codes, ASME, all the engineering stuff, right out of his head. And right. everybody loved him because he instilled that we were a team. We were all fellow human beings, and that's the way we thought of him.
2: A hundred percent, John. I think you're nailing it right there. That That's exactly how it is. And should you ever need to to make mention of his racist, then you do that if you need to. But uh, ultimately, what what sets us apart is is how we deliver, right, and what we do and what we accomplish. And I I couldn't agree with you more. Now, again, if you had to say uh, our colleague so-and-so and and you're describing him to somebody and you happen to mention he was black, I wouldn't sue you. Because I think that this is something that um, sometimes you just need to do, especially in the radio world. How do you tell a story if they can't see you? You use a lot of description. Anyway, John, thank you very much for the call. Big shout-out to everybody in Vero Beach, WTTB in the building. Let's go to uh, Jane, Saratoga, New York, to take us home, WGY. Go right ahead.
5: Hi, Rich.
8: Yeah, I just wanted to – well, first of all, I wanted to say all the people who have called in, the gentleman who said he wants to have a Christian approach and the gentleman who called to apologize, that's – you know, that's what our world is supposed
2: to be about, people like that. And thank God we're having that conversation here on America at Night.
8: It's been incredible, and just that's what we all need to do. Now, like the Mexican family that was jumped on, what I would do, I'd walk over and sit down with them and say, Hey, how are you guys doing? It looks like you're having fun. And look at the lady who's yelling and say, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to
2: interrupt you. Right. Looks like you're not having fun, crazy lady racist, -racist. (laughs) non-racist. Anyway, thanks, Jane. I appreciate it. The music means they're kicking us out, but the next show is coming in, so stay on this station, and I'll be back again tomorrow. Take care, good night, and God bless. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez.
11: Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of season two of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham in the red clay tells the unbelievable true story of billy sunday burt the most dangerous man in georgia history in the podcast that people are calling riveting incredibly moving captivating and addicting binge seasons one and two of in the red clay now wherever you listen